0: Hey listeners, welcome back. Today we have my friend Brennan Schmidt back on the podcast, Making Sense of Technology. And today we're gonna continue that conversation on artificial intelligence. We're gonna talk about how our data is used when using things like AI and what happens when ChatGPT hallucinates and can't find source data. We're gonna talk about equipping people for the future with AI because it's not going anywhere and how to become a better leader with ChatGPT. Stay tuned, we're coming at you. And welcome back listeners to another episode of Pocket Change and today we're making sense out of tech back with my very good friend Brennan Schmidt who is an author, a speaker and just general IT
1: kind of interesting kind of guy. How's it going? How are you? It's going great Kate and thanks so much for having me back here. There's so much for us to unpack since last time we chatted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've got some new things happening on the landscape of ChatGPT.
1: We have Microsoft doing their stuff. Let's dive into it. You bet. And I think what better way to introduce this than to actually get ChatGPT to tell us a little bit about it. ChatGPT, tell me a little bit more about your new functionalities.
2: Sure, Brennan. got a few upgrades since my last version. I can now interpret images, so you can send a picture, and I'll do my best to describe it or answer questions about it. My training data is also more up-to-date, up to January 2022. I aim to provide more accurate and nuanced responses. Anything specific you're curious about?
1: You're talking to me right now. Tell me a bit about what you can do with the whole talking functionality, and then tell me a bit more about the whole image thing you talked about.
2: Absolutely, Brennan. In this voice based format, the conversation is designed to be more natural and fluid. I aim to keep things concise and easy to follow, much like a spoken conversation. It's all about making the chat feel more real time and interactive. As for the image functionality, you can send me a picture and I'll try to describe it or answer questions about it. It's pretty handy for things like identifying objects or getting insights on art, for example. Would you like to try it out or do you have more questions?
1: You know, I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to talk a bit more about it with Kate. So thank you.
0: Wow. I, wow. Awesome. That's You know, that's a bit mind-blowing and kind of scary. And the one thing that ChatGPT didn't mention you could use the image function for is to make sure you're not getting catfished. <laughs>
1: It it really is crazy, Kate, and and it's unfortunate that we don't have like eight hours to talk about this because there's so much to unpack. And exactly, you're right. So we just had a conversation with ChatGPT. So it can not only hear through voice, and by the way, everything everything that you heard was transcribed, and you could actually see it in in a chat window. This this is. Um, available um, to a few, as I understand it. I, I'm one of the few who signed up for it relatively early, so I seem to be getting a, a few more of the betas as compared to some other folks I've chatted with. Uh, but yeah, it really is exciting because it's it's transcribing um, into the chat what it is, but now the actual interface, instead of me typing, I'm having a conversation with it, and it's it's keeping up with me real time, which is just absolutely astounding. And the whole imaging piece, uh, we'll have to make sure that we spend time on that because I experimented with that. And last time we were talking a bit about how it's reinventing processes. Now you're able to take a picture of a diagram. It's able to understand what that diagram is and actually give recommendations for how you can improve it. So this is capability that we're talking about right now is a quantum leap forward since last we spoke. So I can only imagine what this conversation is going to be like a year from now. So would love to, uh, we'd love to chat more about this with you.
0: Yeah, no. And you know, the thing that I was most impressed with was with how smooth it is, right? Like normally when you have interactions with something that is AI, like you can tell that sounded like we had a third party on the podcast with us.
1: Oh it's it's astounding and there's very little latency and well I shouldn't say that there's there's a bit of latency with it like you can tell that it was it was kind of thinking but I think we just give it a little bit of time here Kate, and all of a sudden you're it's going to be indistinguishable which which is I think exciting but equally frightening
0: <laughs> it it is and I think the thing is is that it is so real time, like I can see it being used in really negative circumstances and situations to take advantage of people. Because now you have, you know, a a smooth male voice that is very articulate, that is answering questions in a really fine format, right? Like you think about that, that those responses were cleaner than a majority of public speakers that we see in here, even in our political landscape.
1: Yeah, and something else to note too, and in full disclosure, that was completely uh improvised. There was nothing, just so listeners know we didn't we didn't rehearse this. I just at the beginning of our call, kind of in the virtual green room, said, Hey, I can talk to ChatGPT. And you said, Hey, why don't we uh, demonstrate that. And and so as you can tell, it it is very much like what you said, very, very articulate in, in what it's able to say. And it's just mind blowing in terms of what the voice is. And we haven't even talked about the fact that it can actually, quote unquote, see now.
0: Yeah, well, and you think about, I mean, like, for me personally, like, <clears throat> I have Siri off on my phone, because I don't use it. And I find that the me, the meonomy that comes through that, like I'll be talking to somebody about something and then all of a sudden I'm seeing these things in like my feeds of social media or on my my LinkedIn. And I also have Cortana turned off on my laptop because I also know that those two gather data and information, right? And it is marketed, it is it is shared, and it is directed. So talk to me a little bit about how Chat GPT could potentially use the things that you're asking of it to either market to you or to, like, is the information that we seek sold? Is it how they're improving the system and the tool? Like, what happens with the information that we plug into this?
1: I love the question, Kate, and I think that's yet to be fully understood because, as you can imagine, a lot of these platforms are, are of course, using this information in order to make product enhancements. That's generally across the board. Like when we sign that, or or when you say accept to that end user license agreement, which I'm sure every single one of us spent the week and a half it would take to read it and actually understand it. They're they're using that's a joke of course, um, <laughs> but uh, they they have a whole bunch of uh, capabilities to leverage the data. But to your question, perhaps the 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 fifty thousand foot view question that we might want to ask is if this is the new way of interacting with, with search or interacting with, with the way that we get information, this is a very nascent area for advertisers to get on board in order to start getting some information in there to potentially be the next iteration of Google if, oh, if you pay the right sum. Like, 100%. We don't know. And and then that raises its own questions, right? Because then now your responses that you're getting are going to be influenced from advertisers. So now we've gone eight steps away from being able to go from, let's say, the bookshelf of the Encyclopedia Britannica and and open up the book. And by the way, did I, you must remember that that set, it was the huge Encyclopedia set. Yes.
0: Yes, my dad bought me one. Somebody knocked on our door and he was like, oh, you don't have vacuums today? You've got books? Cool, I'll buy those too. (laughs) So, yes.
1: (laughs) And and my my, uh, parents ended up buying that set too. And what was funny is I think, unfortunately, they stood in the basement too long and they got water damage. But that would have been awesome to have in my apartment. Like, that would just be an amazing conversation piece. But all all, uh, kidding aside here with with that reference to the encyclopedia is that even though you had, and why I make reference to it is because even though you had that set of books, at least the integrity was there, and you could go to a specific page, and even though it was outdated, you could read for yourself and get a, an understanding of what the topic at hand was. You fast forward to today, and now what the equivalent of the Google is, depending on which search you're, or which web page rather, you're going to from the search engine. Now you have this sort of new frontier where you're being provided with information from multiple sources, some of which may be influenced by advertisers. And to your question, I think it's so nascent, Kate, that. I think it'd be interesting to explore that uh, a bit more because there's a whole bunch of ideas that I'm sure are circulating for folks in terms of what that might look like.
0: Well, there are. And I think that even if you come back to, you know, take it back 10 steps to Wikipedia. Wikipedia is this thing that is, you know, funded kind of by users for the most part. And advertisers are now getting in on that. You go to a Wikipedia page and others advertising. But then the other thing is, is how accurate is the information? Like a lot of universities and schools simply would not allow you to use Wikipedia as a citation or a reference because the ability for that to be wrong. Is, is relatively high, right? And so then you kind of have to beg and wonder, like, where is ChatGPT drawing its data from where it creates accuracy? And, you know, so when this first came out, even in the bodybuilding community, people were testing it out. And they, um, some of the pro bodybuilders went in and asked questions about themselves. And some of the feedback that came back was completely wrong.
1: And what you're talking about there, just for listeners, is uh, what's commonly referred to as hallucinations. And so what uh, ChatGPT does is that if it doesn't know something in its uh, effort to uh, deliver value to you, it'll sometimes make stuff up completely out of the blue, to your point. Um. So that's why there's, there's that piece. And the other, other thing that I thought that I'd mentioned too, that we might want to take a little bit more of a deeper dive into is this whole idea of, like you were saying, Kate, with the source data. Uh, mm-hmm. what, we're, what we've what we been talking about thus far is sort of, you know, your search and now that Bing's been reintroduced to GPT with the, the version 4, you're able to uh, do internet searches and you can even get it so that when you do your prompting, you can tell it to provide you with citations and when it gives you the response, there's a superscript with the ability for you to highlight that superscript and it'll give you the citation as to which website that it found that information from. Mm -hmm. But even though that's a cool feature, something I thought that I would mention to listeners here is exactly to where you were talking earlier in terms of where its information is coming from. So far, we've talked about internet searches, but then depending on if you're using your own private instance of uh, OpenAI, in which case if if folks are using Azure, there's actually a, a capability for you to do that within your own Azure tenant and and it's 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 in its own secure enclave so it's not actually using the public version of GPT it's it's uh, way more of a lockdown version if you will. that actually allows you to connect to your own source repositories of data so if you've got a, a blob storage that you want to have access to, you can actually grant it the capability to cruise through all of those documents in that folder, let's say, and then you can actually do prompts based off of that data.
0: That is so powerful. Like, you know, I I don't know if you've ever worked for a client where you've tried to do a document management implementation. It's enough to make you want to cut your own throat. And so like you look at like OpenText, for example, OpenText had like this crazy, you know, document management system that had all of these hierarchies and all of these different things. And it's like when we put our company together, one of the things we, we had a very long, very long conversation about how we wanted to manage data. And what we ended up choosing was a data lake because you can just throw everything in one spot. We have a pseudo folder structure, like we have like our business development separated from our marketing, separated from you know, invoicing clients, for example. But when you think about running and operating within a data lake where you can go to the top part of your source and you can just plug something in for a search and it pulls the things back, that's one thing. But when you have something like this, where you have an open AI that can actually scour your infrastructure and not just a SharePoint site, that is powerful
1: oh so powerful and that's just an example of what you can do today with with Azure OpenAI and that's its own uh piece and and also too, what's on the horizon is also copilot microsoft's going to be introducing copilot uh a little bit here and that'll be more generally available and so what's exciting about that is Uh, I'm sure if you've seen the the advertisements for it and and the posts on LinkedIn, there's some pretty cool things where you can effectively do prompts and get Microsoft Office to do these different tasks for you. So like as an example, in Outlook, you can say, hey, compose an email message um, with this tone in order to achieve the following outcomes, and it'll come up with that text for you. And all you have to do is either tell it to augment it or just take that time yourself to do it and just edit it and hit send. So something that would have taken you 15 minutes to write and just to kind of think about, am I striking the right tone? Like, am I having to look at that information? You're now able to effectively say, hey, I have this source. I want it to kind of sound like this. I want you to achieve the following outcome. It thinks, and it'll do it for you.
0: That's crazy. If it if it could write scope of work for me, that would be fabulous. <laughs> it's my least favorite thing, is to sit down and write an SOW, right?
1: Oh, SOW is just so much fun. But I think with things like ChatGPT and, and Copilot, once you have something established, it's just amazing to know and, and to think about what the future is going to entail. Because here's a question, and this this might be its own episode. But I was thinking the other day, if we've got all these procurement policies in place where we have to do, you know, the presentation and you know what, what's your past experience and answer the questions. If that's all being done by GPT today, what does the future of procurement look like in terms of selection of your proponents? Mm-hmm. And I was kind of thinking and postulating about what that might entail. And for those familiar with Credly, which is the uh, which is a certification platform, so if you take a certification, you sign up for Credly, and and that's now your your badge. It makes it so that you you have assurance that that person actually got that certificate. I'm wondering whether or not the future of procurement actually, in light of all this generative AI, is to actually have some sort of qualification credly equivalent where now you have a list of clients that don't need to say who they are, but they can vouch for you to say that that you successfully delivered this, this, and this. And now these organizations and maybe even these AIs are doing selection as to whether or not you're even qualified before you go to the next round just based off of competencies as opposed to content.
0: Absolutely, because I think you know, if you look at the current space of how procurement is done, oftentimes those credentials come in last because it's like we're gonna select you, we're gonna do this, we sign the scope of work, and now you have to provide us all of the tickets. For example, let's think of a safety sensitive position in the field, you know, drilling, for example. Well, you you look at that and they have this thing called ComplyWorks, and ComplyWorks is where or ISnet is where we as as consultants have to upload our insurance documents, this, that, and the other thing, Um, you know, as well as our credentials and and our, you know, do we have safe work permits and practices and things like that. So you think about that of putting that on the front end and allowing AI to actually select people to go to the next round. What it does, I think, is it streamlines your procurement process and enables you to actually vet the quality candidates right off the bat. And
1: it's kind of poetic that we just made the transition to this talk about the process, because let's not forget the fact that ChatGPT today, if you were to actually map out the current state process that we were just talking about, let's say you did a value stream map or something like that, where now you're saying, OK, so here's where the docs are. It usually takes me this much time to do that. And then here's the wait time. And, and now here's all the cycle time, What whatever methodology you want to use now you can take a picture of that from your phone after a value stream mapping exercise and you can say hey chat gpt tell me what's going on it'll actually read things for you and understand what's going on like i I tried it. it it is absolutely wild kate because i i thought to myself because Obviously, you you see things on the on the internet, especially LinkedIn. Some of it yeah. you don't know is it hype, is it real? So I said, okay, fine. I, I'm just going to go and and do a search of of this process from a website. So I did, I grabbed it, and then I put it in ChatGPT and I and I said, hey, ChatGPT, tell me um, this image that I uploaded. Use your advanced uh, data analytics capabilities to quote unquote see what's going on here. And it told me <laughs> what was going on. And I said, can you suggest some improvements to this workflow. And it actually came up with a list of recommendations.
0: Wow. And so when you assess those recommendations, what were your thoughts?
1: They were plausible. I, I almost thought for a second that I had an analyst taking a look at things and compiling something for me to look at. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Earlier, and if you think that's crazy, earlier you'd mentioned the gym. There's—I haven't tried it yet, but uh, I can see this. I can see this working. But I've heard secondhand that some folks are doing this. You can take a picture of, let's say, a gym in a hotel, give it the picture for ChatGPT, and say, "Hey, ChatGPT, make a 45-minute workout for me based off of the equipment that you see here." Get out of here. Those are some use cases that I'm hearing. I haven't tried it yet, and actually, oh, I'm going to be traveling again here next week. But uh, yeah, I want to see if I can do that and see if it comes up with it. But there's just so many use cases; like it's yeah. just, yeah.
0: Well, and and I think that the thing is, is like we 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 look at it through the lens of business. How do we progress business? How do we keep business safe? How do we keep business secure? But how does average Jane and Joe make their lives easier? Like we've got somebody who isn't in technology who has um a handful of kids running all over the place doing those kinds of things how do you how do you recommend that individuals who are just looking to streamline or improve their time through the week or enhance their time how can they use it
1: that's a very interesting question kate and i think it's it's not just about optimizing the time i i think it actually is is something a lot uh, bigger picture than that. I think it's it's not just making people's lives easier. I think instead, it's, it's equipping them for what the future ultimately is going to entail. Mm-hmm. And I say that because as much of a convenience as it is today, I firmly believe that these skills are going to become a necessity for you to thrive in what's going to continue to be a very disruptive working culture and landscape. So if you can gain a better understanding of how prompts work and how being very specific about things works in your personal life, I think that will translate into an immense competitive advantage for you in the workplace. So now not only you're equipped to better do your job, but I, I would also imagine that that would also extend to you being able to share that knowledge with your team members so that they are like, oh yeah, you know, this stuff actually can help me and it can make us better Uh, collectively as a team, and this isn't something that we should necessarily see as 100% frightening. There's certainly some concerns there, but is there an opportunity for us to leverage these technologies in a way where now we're not spending all of this time doing all this administrative overhead and instead, like let's say, for example, in healthcare, is there an opportunity now in healthcare that instead of being uh, burdened by all of this administrative overhead, that now instead of spending 15 minutes of doing documentation, that you now have the ability to do your your documentation with with all the care and attention and due diligence that you need but then now that remaining 10 minutes could be put towards direct patient care mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. to me that's that's I'm I'm a firm believer that that we can get there if we do things right but that to me is what i think signals better outcomes no matter what industry it is. or Earlier you'd mentioned safety. What happens if now all of a sudden that means that there's just more time for reinforcing training and just making sure that folks are are complying with it instead of just saying, yeah. hey, we did the exercise of documenting it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think documentation is one of those things, I think, in any industry, right, where you can find a lot of value, right? And and I really like what you said in terms of almost training ourselves to embrace AI, because this is the way that the world is going. I mean, it, this is not slowing down. In fact, what we've just proven through, you know, our little mini series here is that it just is speeding up at a rate that we almost can't keep up with the the innovation, right? And so, we we had a little bit of a, a touch on um, Bing and coming back into the landscape. How many different types of GPTs or or AIs are available to the general public at no cost, whether we know we, we're using them or not? Like, we know that there's chat GPT. We know that there's Bing. But Bing, as we have always known it, or a majority of people outside of the technology space has known it, is a search engine
1: yeah and and that's the thing, too, is that there's so many of them that are that are available uh, in some cases, like in the case of uh, of google with with Bard, that, as I understand it, is still only available to those within the United States as of this recording. Of course, everything changes when yeah. we're talking about these things. But at the same time, Uh, Just with with respect to your question with Bing, is these traditional search engines, quote-unquote, that we're so used to are likely going to evolve, and I think that it's going to be important for us to uh, understand that they will continue to evolve, and even like today as an example, if you are using uh, the capabilities of Bing, especially if you're on Windows, you now have the ability in in some cases to be able to actually refine within Bing whether or not it's something more precise where it's now delivering something more factual and so there should presumably be fewer hallucinations like we were talking about earlier or something that's like way more creative where now it's going to start making stuff up. So now you have these tools as an example giving you the ability to select what you're looking for And if at a high level you're effectively giving it an instruction to say, here's what I'm looking for, which if you imagine this on a spectrum being very, very specific versus very, very creative, now you have the ability to sort of uh, change the dials, if, if you will, through your prompts. So let's say if it is very very creative, you can leverage the overarching creativity, but then through your prompt, through your prompts, you can then direct it in the general way that you want it to go. Mm. Mm. So that's where prompt engineering is just so so important. And I I did a presentation. Uh, a little while back here for, uh, f- for a professional organization. And I, I gave the example that uh, using ChatGPT as-, as an example and with prompts, if you think of giving a task to one of your team members before going off on vacation. So I want you to imagine this. So I'll just maybe come up with with an example off off the top of my mind here. But let's say you wanna create an organizational change management strategy or something like that, and you've had a chance to connect with a handful of stakeholders, but let's say there's there's still some remaining. So you type an email on Friday night at 11.59 p.m. and you say, okay, so we're doing this OCM strategy, dear team, we're doing this, we interviewed so-and-so, we're going to be planning on interviewing so-and-so, looking to come back in a couple weeks' time to pick back up on it. Send there's a few important details missing here. Mm -hmm. If you think of sending an email like that with few details, that leaves your team guessing what it is that you want as opposed to equipping Mm -hmm. them with the specific details and perhaps more importantly, the what you're looking to get out of it in terms of the outcomes as opposed to getting, getting to the how, right? Like how I would do it is different than how you would do it. The what is the outcome? It doesn't matter how we got to it. It's like a math problem, right? Right. There's there's some very weird things. I, I do the the odd uh, practice your math problem in the morning, and it's kind of funny. I I just do it on my iPad, and I, I get to the right answer eventually. But then you you look at how they solved it, and it's like, oh well, I didn't necessarily follow that, but we you know we get we came to the same thing. If if you think of prompting in the same way, what you want to do is you want to equip. Uh, Platforms like ChatGPT with the information that it needs to be successful in things. So, what you're going to do is you're actually going to say what specifically you want, but you can get very granular and tell it the how. So, here's an example ChatGPT, I want you to channel an organizational change management practitioner. I need you to come up with an invitation for an upcoming workshop, and I want you to give me a draft hit enter. It's going to come up with something. If you do enough of those, you start losing track of who you ended up inviting. So what if now you have the ability to, at the end of doing all your drafts in the same context, say, hey, I want you to pull together a table of all the different audiences that I just came up with and put the status as open, hit enter. Mm -hmm. It will presumably, if you did it right, populate a table for you automatically that you can then send out to your team. Wow. Yeah,
0: so it, it really is. So he, I, here's a an opportunity I see is that it reinforces good leadership behaviors, right? Like you, you, we're basically saying in order to get what you want out of chat GPT, you need to coach it with concrete examples and language and specifics, which I mean, when we're coaching people, it's the same thing. So they've really modeled it after how you would interact and and how you would actually lead people. It's very
1: exactly. And kind of terrifying. And it, I I'm almost wondering whether or not it would be and and maybe if uh if li- your listeners want to DM me on Instagram or something I'm I'm at brensons b r e n z e n s but let me know if if that's something that uh that you'd be interested in but I kind of was thinking is it worth a blog post to do something like uh can chatgpt actually make you a better leader? mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm. I I, Like, fundamentally, I think it can, right? I mean, if you are in an environment where you don't have access to training, for example, maybe you're a very small company, maybe you have suspended training funds because of budget constraints, I think, like, why wouldn't you just create a a learning plan for yourself through ChatGPT?
1: Oh exactly and it knows what that is right and especially if you've got access to Bing if if you're paying and by the way if, if folks are wondering like what what's the difference between ChatGPT free and and uh and paid the uh, the TLDR or the too long didn't read is is this if you're getting the the free version you're kind of getting what what you pay for which is a little bit less of a capable uh i guess platform to do all the cool things if you pay the 20 bucks usd a month you can get access to more advanced features in in sort of the pro version which is version 4 and you can enable these these beta features as well so earlier we were showcasing the the uh, talking uh example there's also the uh example that you can use with the image. And so that's where it's doing advanced analysis in that case, but you can only get those two features if you're paying for it.
0: So talk a little bit about the advanced feature on um, photo analysis, like and that, what does that
1: look like? So that one, and I have to give credit to the design team for coming up with the way that you do it because it's just so easy. Imagine on the left-hand side of a text box, of a text entry box, kind of like Google, where there's where there's an icon, and you click on that icon, and you're able to upload whatever it is that that you're looking for. So in this case, if you took a JPEG or a screenshot of something, you upload that image, and then what you do is you in the prompt in in the actual. Uh, typing window, if you will, or in that component, you say, hey, I'm going to give you an, an image here, and here's the specific things that I'm curious to know about. Tell me about it, and then hit enter. It goes ahead, it uploads that, it does whatever sorcery it does in order to cruise through the image, and then it gives you the text output of what it is that's going on. So back to that example of the gym, It'll presumably say something to the effect of, hey, I'm sensing that this is a picture of a gym. I noticed that there's a squat rack. Um, and if you want to do any sort of squats, here's here's I, I maybe did or didn't see a barbell, but if you can find one, like you know what I mean? Like all the yeah. stuff that you and I would would kind of look at in the gym, that's kind of what it's looking for itself. But it just has this weird sorcery where it knows what that is. Wow.
0: So when we think about like the forward look, what are some of the trends or some of the things that you're seeing or hearing about that are maybe coming down the pipeline for this ep- like because this is an ongoing continuous improvement project, right? And when we think about Chat GPT, when we think about AI, what are some of the things that people should be ready to f- see coming down the landscape? I mean, like this podcast is a great example of how we're helping other people learn how to live with the change of advanced um you know, insights and things like that that are coming through these these programs.
1: I think it really comes down to what we were talking about earlier, which is the sooner you can lean into this, the better. Because this stuff is not going away. I'll repeat that. This stuff that we are talking about today is not going away. If anything, it's only going to become increasingly more disruptive and it's either going to be increasingly more disruptive in a good way or a bad way and the jury is very much out in terms of what that looks like because to your point earlier i think it's very important for us to recognize that there are clearly some inherent risks in the technology that's being rolled out here and that's why i think it's just so fundamentally important for us to talk about guardrails, to talk about what's going into the system and what it's being exposed to because if you look at the data sets that that it has access to, there is the risk of bias. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, there's also the risk of using these capabilities in a way that could influence, let's say, elections or that can influence people's decision making. I think last time we were chatting a little bit about that last time, but with so much of that coming to uh, light here, especially as, as there are election cycles coming through, that certainly is, is a huge consideration in terms of what these technologies could potentially do to influence what we're exposed to.
0: Well, and you, I mean, you saw that even in previous elections, you saw that, but but those were very human-driven campaigns, right, that were influencing and impacting how people saw leadership in in their country. So we, when you think about that, I mean, we know we have a federal election coming up here in Canada very soon. We have a federal election that's going to be happening in the United States. I mean, the, the continent itself is relatively um, ripe for the picking in terms of people using it the wrong way. I mean, you think about it, I mean, like a smear campaign used to be people throwing mud at each other on radio ad campaigns. What does it look like now with AI in the mix?
1: Well, and I think only time's going to tell in terms of what that looks like, right? Because also, too, I should mention as well that in ChatGPT's case, and and you've got examples, too, with uh, with other platforms where are actually able to create artificial images. And it's using uh, this thing called Dolly. And so I did that for, uh, for a professional organization that I presented um, to the, uh, I think that was a couple weeks back now, but it was pretty interesting because what I did is I showed a, a fake image of a provincial legislative building and ended up putting mountains in the background of it. And what was interesting is that it knew what the legislature looked like Um, but if you looked at it close enough, it's just like, well, this isn't photorealistic because this specific geography, they wouldn't have mountains. Mm -hmm. It's, it's in the middle of the prairies. So, um, it's smart enough to know that without Photoshop. So now if you think about what that looks like for videos and for all that other stuff, we're seeing a lot, uh, Coming to light here in terms of how that can be used and what kind of safeguards might need to be in place to show that that was manipulated media, and now all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have people questioning whether or not uh, that was used by AI or whether or not it was true. So I think, um, and and again, not not to go down a uh, dark and gloomy sort of uh, talk of of this or 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 get folks uh, uh, potentially uneasy about this, but at the same time, I I think. Uh, I certainly think that it's very, very important to talk about the potential downsides of this so that we can collectively look at what kind of guardrails we might want to have in place uh, to prevent stuff like that, because ultimately it's it's for our collective future.
0: It is. And so when you think about somebody who's learning about AI, who's leaning on this podcast to gather information, maybe uh, resolve some fear around it, what have you, or maybe just to learn, What are some of the things that with these new advancements in AI, particularly when we think about the visual side um, and the video side? Because, I mean, like we just heard AI talk to us, you know, how do people decipher what's true and
1: what's not? That's a very interesting question. And I think... I'm one of those weird people that likes to read a whole bunch of different books and the thing that comes to mind is uh, I had an opportunity to read some some good old spy books right you know and and I think of tradecraft right you know the the stuff like uh dropping something in the park and then all of a sudden there's a chalk mark on the bench right like it's it's all that stuff that you kind of laugh about and you're like oh this is kind of the spy versus spy but when you read about that there's something intriguing to me in that there's some things that are old that are very much new again. Mm -hmm. And in the context of artificially generated voice, to validate that you are who you say you are, maybe it might make sense for business leaders to say, hey, if I'm going to be talking to you over the phone, and if I can't see you, and if you're asking me to do something that's out of the ordinary, Perhaps when we saw each other face-to-face, there's a specific set of words or there's a word that you can ask me about that will only be known to us. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. you'll know that you're actually talking to me. If it's written or if it's documented in any way, shape, or form electronically, I think all goes out the window. But if you go old school here and talk to somebody and commit it to your memory, at least that, as far as we know, hasn't been tapped by AI.
0: Yeah. not yet not <laughs> yet not yet and that that comes with our microchip that they're going to implant in the next 5 years that's a joke people i'm kidding i'm not on the inside track of anything but so but what about video right and i think about <laughs> i think about our i think about like our election cycles that are about to come up and we've already got some mudslinging happening across both borders like where people are kind of at each other's throats i think that's kind of standard for the course these days with these tactless dorks but when we think about um, seeing something on social media or seeing something on an internet page or um, even something that we might see on television or a streaming service or whatever, how do you decide that what you're seeing is actually What is representative? Like, I mean, I guess there's the old critical thinking of going back and cross-referencing. But if it's somebody who's telling you kind of fibs about somebody else, that's not going to be documented anywhere. How do you decide that that's actual information?
1: And I think that that's really where, if we were to bring this back to potentially small and medium-sized businesses, larger corporations who are listening in here... I think that's really where you can lean into your communications professionals to just really amp up what you have available on your website, because if you can make that website uh, stay up to date and available to things like ChatGPT so that it can Mm -hmm. be searched, I think that'll certainly help your message. But I think the, the broader question perhaps is, how do we collectively encourage critical thinking? And I I think the answer to that is for us to actually start talking about this in a very measured way. And doing so in a constructive way, because what you often find, at least in my view today, is that when you start talking about misinformation and disinformation, uh, it seems to be sort of you know Snorville, and you know I, I I know what this stuff is, and we don't need to talk about it. But I I kind of politely push back and say, well, no, actually we should, because the sources of information now that we have access to are becoming far more concentrated. And now they're becoming, in some cases, a single pane of glass. How do we condition ourselves to go to the source and and almost poetically go back to that notion of the Encyclopedia Britannica and at least saying that, hey, at least I know that there's a source and I can then read other chapters in this. So as an example, let's say if, if the company ends up putting out some sort of a news release in their position on things, then great, you've consumed the news release and have seen the position of, uh, of the organization. Now, if you know that there's other actors that are involved, now that's your opportunity to potentially go through what their position is on things. It's no different than writing a research paper. There's going to be different perspectives and and views that that you research with this stuff, and that's perhaps something that we're going to have to do manually, as opposed to getting the AI to do it for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, having personal responsibility and what you're choosing to believe in, I think, is really the high and low. of It is, is you know, if and and, and I tend to not believe that anything that I'm reading is really accurate. Like I I I. I I'm of the mind that everything is generated by AI right now, and it's my responsibility to decipher what's the actual truth and what's not, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that that's the other thing, too, is that it it all comes down to integrity, because I, I know that in a lot of cases, it's very, very easy to take a transcript of something and have ChatGPT create a let's say a blog post or something for you right like it's very very tempting, and we know that these things are being used and and that's not to say that that isn't uh a bad thing right like it's it's good because it it saves time it makes it so that you can you can deliver some really really stellar uh quality material. However, if, if we think back to that math example before, as much as I hated it, at least I knew that if I was showing my work and I was getting to the results and I was getting very, very frustrated, there was something satisfying about actually solving the equation and, and knowing that I did that myself. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like if if we're thinking about post-secondary institutions in particular, I think that they're seeing uh, a huge uptake in this in this technology being adopted, perhaps for all the wrong reasons, which is mm-hmm. really to make it so that it's less time spent on essay writing, which begs the yeah. question: How much longer are we going to be doing essays to prove people and comprehend things? Right. So again, it comes down to disruption, and I think that we're going to have to force ourselves to start asking ourselves to to reevaluate what's going
0: on absolutely and i think that again we if we bring it back to even like the marketing and the procurement aspect of it as well i think that there are plenty of opportunities inside of that as consumers to take advantage of that but i think that there's also opportunities for us as consumers to be taken advantage of and a really great example of that is um You know, when I did my compressed MBA, I did it last last year with uh, University of British Columbia and we had a capstone and we were put into groups to do this capstone and we were doing a case study on WestJet. And we had to, uh, you know, they gave us all of the parameters that we were to work within, and then we had to come up with a way to solve a problem for them. And so, you know, I mean, the airline industry coming back from COVID really had seen a very significant decline in business travelers. They had seen uh, a decline in leisure travelers. Uh, They had a decline in almost every aspect. They couldn't find people to work below the wing. All of these different issues, HR issues, you name it, right? Right. And so my group was full of technology people. And so it was myself um, and a couple of other folks, one lady from around from England um, and a guy who's, you know, a Google implementation guy at like a platinum level. So we actually went after their chat bot, Juliet, and we said we would use their chat bot to highlight all of the touch points of where you could actually link someone into another service. So, for example, we know that your flight's leaving at this time. Juliet would send you a reminder that it's going to go, right? iPhone kind of does that if you have your passport or your pass in your, in your wallet, things like that. But then it would be Juliet would schedule your Uber. And if your flight was delayed, Juliet would confirm with your Uber and change that time. Would, you know check with your hotel, do all these different things. And so what we ended up doing was we actually highlighted this thing called the beleisure traveler, the business leisure traveler, the person who can work from anywhere. And so they go away on a leisure trip, but they're still doing business while they're away, right? There's a whole segment of the market that's there, but the whole core and the focus of it was using Juliet, their chatbot. And WestJet was the first one in Canada aviation to use a chatbot. And I don't think she's experienced very many upgrades but I mean that's a really
1: great indicator of how AI has come and where it can go right Oh yeah and especially that single pane of glass and yeah. by that I mean just a single single place that that you look but if you look behind it there's a whole bunch of other sort of you know threads that you can pull on but like, as an example, one airline in particular, I love the fact that it text messages me when I arrive and it's like, hey, your, your gate has changed. And, you know, yep. when you arrive, turn left and and in five minutes, it's a five minute walk and it's in the same terminal. Like, that's immensely helpful Very when helpful. you're traveling. Yes. And, and because then you're not stressed and you're like, am I going to miss my connection? It's like, oh, no, well, I got plenty of time. I'm just going to grab, you know, some PowerPoint juice at uh, at the lounge, right? Like, that's yep. that's kind of yep. what I can do. Um, But just imagine, like to your point, that single pane of glass that instead of being um, presented with a whole bunch of these different text messages and all that stuff, like what if I had just one place where it was just a conversation with me and then it just kept me up to date? And I think Mm -hmm. you you and your team, I I certainly hope that you got like first place in that because I think that's a perfect idea. (laughs)
0: We did very well. The marketing prof was not very pleased with us because he didn't feel like we went after the right segment of the market. But we were like, whatever, we stand by our decision because it's a it's a market that's untapped. But in, in addition to that, and I, I'm pretty sure I know which airline you're talking about because they're one of my favorites as well. They have the, the most amazing app. Uh, you can track your luggage. It tells you if it got on the plane. It has all of the touch points because my luggage has been lost a couple of times. Um, you know, but I think... Those are really, really great examples of how AI is a facilitator, whether it's in business or whether it's in personal or whether it's in Belize-er. Um, You know, it, we have opportunities to really lean in. And I think if there was one thing that I really have taken away from today is that there's still a lot of personal accountability on the human to interact with the robot and have the robot do the work. It's still incumbent of the human to fact check what the robot is telling us, whether that's in the written format, whether we're seeing a video, whether we're seeing a picture. Right. So if we were to just leave our listeners with one key message, one thing that you would like to leave them with, whether that's a guidance, whether that's advisory, whether that is insight to help them embrace this new generation of, of chat GPT and others, what would that be?
1: I think I would say do your best to lean into this and to learn as much as you can about it. And the reason I say that is because, again, it, it's not going away. And if anything, this is just going to become more prevalent. And I think the sooner we can all learn and understand how this works and the rich capabilities that it offers, I think we can do some really, really great things. Mm-hmm. On the other side to that, I think it's equally important for us to heed a lot of the caution that has been put out there in terms of how this can influence our decision making, uh, how it can influence how we interact with others. So I think at the same time, I would also urge folks to perhaps lean into some of the ways in in which you can be critical of the things that ChatGPT as an example is, is presenting you. And in a lot of cases, they're doing their best to say as an example, the, the information presented may not be entirely accurate, and it's up to you to check this. But at the same time, I, I think that it's equally important for us to start asking, especially our legislators, what mm. specifically are you doing to yeah. help make sure that this technology is being used responsibly? And especially if we're talking about the Canadian context, especially with what you're talking about with the federal election coming up and uh, provincial and territorial elections that are uh, on a on a rolling basis what what is being done at the political parties level in order to try to make sure that this is being used responsibly and just really showing that there is the responsible use of ai to set the stage for things instead of just waiting for legislation to be passed i think the leaders who are getting in front of this and who are being very vocal about the responsible use of this technology and also heeding caution to what could happen and coming up with alternatives to make it so that we can all be better together, I think will be the ones that will be shining.
0: Mm-hmm. That is such great advice. Such great advice. Now, Brennan, I know we've had your, your advertising of your Instagram and your email here frequently, but if listeners don't want to go back and find your other episodes, how can folks get in touch with you if they're curious to find specific training to engage with you or to bring you in to have a conversation with their teams?
1: You bet. I am most active on Instagram. And so if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Brenzens, B-R-E-N-Z-E-N-S. That's its own story about how I got the username, but that's how you can reach me. That's my official account. And uh, yeah, feel free to send me a direct message if if you want to know more. Um, I do have a checklist of cybersecurity that I'd be happy to send folks. So just send me a DM and I can send that your way. Um, No opt-in. I'll email that to you directly. Um, But if you do want to sign up for my newsletter, you're more than welcome to do that as well, um, which is Brennan Schmidt, B-R-E-N-N-E-N, Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T, dot .ca forward slash subscribe.
0: Perfect. That's wonderful. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for jumping on with us again. Can't wait for the next time because it's just going to get better from here.
1: Thanks so much, Kate.
0: And uh, thank you listeners for joining us today. As usual, if there's any content you'd like to see us feature, anybody you'd like to see us host, reach out. Remember, a call doesn't cost a thing.